the Utah Open Source Foundation brings the Utah Lugs home. Feel free to listen live at stream.utos.org or catch the audio afterward at podcast.utos.org. The bandwidth there is provided by Tier 4. The following presentation, OpenVPN, was given on February 7, 2009 by Will Smith at the Ubuntu Utah User Group. Visit their site at utah.ubuntu-us.org. Presentation is on OpenVPN. I wanted to give just a brief um, thing about VPNs. What is a VPN? VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. Um, basically, it allows you to establish an encrypted tunnel. Um, in, or <clears throat> basically, yeah, it establishes an encrypted tunnel, creating a private network within a larger network. So. You can have it between two nodes, like across the internet, or between a couple of computers. Um, the question then begs, why use a VPN over just SSHing into um, a box and administering that way? There's a couple of things that, like uh, at work, where I have several boxes to administer, rather than worrying about setting up a lot of port forwarding in my in my firewall and, and having to know these different ports in order to SSH into every box, I can just VPN in. Now I'm in and actually sitting at my network and I can then administer as needed, just like if I had my laptop there at work. Um, another instance, if you wanted to, let's pretend we've got all these computers here in the lab, and let's say we wanted five of them segregated out that they could have communications just across themselves. You could establish a VPN and push all their traffic through that. Even though they're in this network, they can be on their own little sub thing because of the VPN. Um, the other thing is it does, another nice thing is it can encrypt any traffic, um, any traffic that goes across is encrypted. So like at work where we have people that use RDP to come into uh, a particular box, I have them go through the VPN because RDP, of course, being a Microsoft product, is inherently insecure. And so it allows a little bit of encryption between it. No, uh-uh. RDP uses AES-256 Well, that's fine, but if Microsoft did it, it's broken someplace, and I'm sure we can find a security hole. Um, but no, you're right, and, and that's fine. But it still makes it so that I only have to open one port on my firewall. And I can have, once that one port is open to allow my VPN traffic in, that already, they already have to have the certificates and everything to be able to authenticate. And then once inside, it's just like they're sitting there and they can get anywhere within the network. And I don't have to worry about opening multiple ports in my firewall. So thank you for that update on, on RDP, Aaron. Um, but that's fine. It, anything else, so if you're using VNC, you actually have to tell VNC to go over an encrypted tunnel, and so this is an easy way to just do it because you VPN in and then Who's and then run your VNC. Over, over VPN, so yeah. Yes. 
Um, You know what? That's a beautiful thing. We're going to talk about that later. What we're not going to discuss in this presentation is Telnet. Um, <laughs> along, with, along with other VPN, we're going to focus on OpenVPN, which is an open source VPN software. Um, we won't focus on other VPN options such as IPsec or PPTP. Um, there's some other stuff out there, too, that's commercially available. But specifically, we want to focus on how to get your VPN server and, and clients up and running and doing that on Ubuntu. Um, to install that, and install OpenVPN on Ubuntu is as simple as sudo aptitude install OpenVPN. And it's going to grab everything you need. It's also, since the latest version of OpenVPN is 2.0.9 and was released in 2006, it's, it's even current in Ubuntu, which I know is is sometimes amazing without doing a PPA repository, but so you get you get the current stuff. Um, all your once you do install that, all your examples and documentation and, and that is, in my opinion, in a weird location, but is in this uh, user share doc open VPN. Inside of that folder is everything that you need to build your keys. Um, it has sample config files that you can use. It, it's got a lot of different things in there. Um, I don't ever use that because I have to be root to edit anything in there, or I have to be root to, or I have to be able to copy it out of there. Um, it just seems to be a pain in the butt. So what I do is I install, do sudo aptitude install OpenVPN, and then I actually download the source tar file, and I'll show you here. Um, once I do have that source file, I then, for each VPN I set up, I have another copy of the source. So, for instance, for the Larkin's VPN, for Larkin Mortuary, my employer, that's where I keep all of their stuff, including all of their keys and stuff are in here, so that I always have their keys and can issue revocation and stuff if I need to. So... Um, I'd encourage everybody to do that because it's the way I do it and obviously the best way. I'm noticing that each user have their own key. Yes, and we will get to that. So but when you fire someone, you can say, no access for you. Yes. You can say, and, and we'll get to that part as we go through the configuration, but uh, you can tell it to let one certificate connect a million times, but obviously that's a concern. You want one for each each person so that you have granular control. But to, uh, I thought that I'd just take a second and start up a uh, really quick uh, go through and set one up. Set up a, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to go to my downloads, OpenVPN. Everything, once you're in here, there's a bunch of stuff in this folder that, that I've downloaded from the VPN website. Everything that we're concerned about is in the EasyRSA 2.0 folder. And in there, you'll notice that there is all of these things. Those are the scripts that are going to build our... Um, oh, you can't see the one edge. Yeah. Yeah, we've dickered around with that for a while, man. Uh, 
Control Shift Plus. Well. Okay, so it, you can't see, but on the left, that actually says build CA, build DH. But it's in this that, that does everything that we need. And the first one that we're concerned about is our VARS file right there. Can you see that where I've highlighted it? Anyways, so we want to edit that, and it's, that's what does our default variables. So there's a bunch of stuff up here at the top. Oh, But uh, our real concern is down here at the very bottom where it has these, uh, your country, province, city, and state. This information is put on all of your stuff, so all of your keys and that. So I like to edit it to whatever we're going to actually be doing. Is it really important that it needs to be there? Yeah. Well, the reason is, if you change these defaults, it will ask you on every key you generate um, to supply this information. And if you change these defaults here, they're going to be already defaulted in for you and just enter through. Otherwise, you've got to type it out on every key. So you may as well just do it in one spot. Just hit enter through the stuff. Um, the organization, we'll put Ubuntu Utah, Utah. And then email is a topons at, was it p3.org? <laughs> well, that's okay because no one's really going to use these keys. So, um, but now that we have that, we need to run source bears on it. And, and now it actually takes all those variables and it's pulled them into memory so that when we go to run our stuff, it's going to know exactly what we're doing. Um, now our job, now that we've sorted those variables, we need to just start building stuff. So we clean everything out, which deletes any keys that were in there previously. In this case, none. And the f yeah? Um, and the next thing is to build our certificate authority. Yeah, unfortunately, friggin'. Yeah. So... Now, uh, you'll see them come up, but uh, let me just do this. Can you see the bottom now? Yeah. We better? Oh, perfect. Um, great. So, you see now that there's my U.S. thing, so I can just hit enter. Utah, um, Salt Lake City for the city name. Company, Ubuntu, Utah, organizational unit. You don't have to put this in. I never do. But if there was a specific division that this VPN was going to be for, we can fill that in. What was the command to run this? Um, build CA. Build hyphen CA. Yep, there. So um, then we need to give our server host name. So whatever that's going to be. We'll just put localhost. That is not in the VARS thing. Email address is, and now we have a certificate authority. So we, if we list the keys folder, you can now see we have a uh, ca.crt, ca.key, and then a couple other files. But that's what's going to sign everything else that we do now. The next thing we do is build 
Um, they're called Diffie-Hellman, a Diffie-Hellman parameter file. Anyways, that's what... Yeah, it's, well, it's a method of, of establishing a key exchange, just like RSA. It's an alternative of RSA. So build DH, and it's going to take a long time, and it takes, you have to make sure there's entropy, so I move my mouse around a bunch. But you'll notice it is making a 1024-bit. Uh, Everything is 1024-bit. You can change that in a various file, how long stuff is. But it builds this whole thing. You, uh, so we can wait. Oh, cool. Um, now that we've built that, we need to build our certificate, our, key, our server key. So we'll just call it build key server, server one. And then we go again through our variables we already set the defaults for. You can, if you want additional pat, uh, security, you can have a password on all the keys for, for both the server and client. I don't ever worry about it, but it is a way to do more security. Um, if you have somebody that let's say it's a, a more of a public box and they fire up the VPN when they need to get in, you can have a password on the VPN key so that they can't use the key until they enter the password. So that would be an additional key opposed to their personal? No, it's, it's actually in their, it's like, actually in their key. Like a password, like a key. Yeah. So... Sign the certificate. You have to hit Y. You can't just hit Enter, or else you have to go through the whole bloody mess again, which is kind of frustrating when you're doing a whole bunch. Um, yes, yes. So now we've made a certificate for our server. So if we look in there, you'll notice that we now have the dh1024.pem, which is our uh, Diffie-Hellman parameters, and we've got the server one certificate and key. Um, now we need to build stuff for our clients. So I always name them easy things like client one, client two, client three, client four. You unfortunately cannot, I have not found a way to automate this process. Say build clients one through 32, and it just goes and makes them all. I, you have to go through, at least from everything I've seen, and do one at a time. Okay. An excellent way to, to get around that. So... Uh -huh. and, uh, I name them by like the username of the person that um, you've been using that key. Right. Just because that's the way I do it. But there's obviously I've, I've done it with the keys of the, the names of who I'm going to give them out to. But what I've found is ultimately I forget somebody that is going to need a key. So I always, when I'm building client keys, I build a whole bunch more than I'm actually going to need. You don't hand them out. It doesn't matter. Um, but I'll usually build like 25. Um, you can build keys later. You just have to, again, source your VARES file and then do the build key and then client name. But uh, I just make a whole bunch. But in this case, we can just make the client. This is very important. The common name right here, it has taken the name that I put in there, client1, as its default value. It's very important that that's different between every single client. The way that OpenVPN distinguishes between clients is by the common name, 
that's actually right here. If you have two clients with the same name, what it does is they fight each other. So client A will end up disconnecting the other client A, which will then disconnect the other client A, and they just sit there and fight back and forth. Nobody gets connections. It's a big pain in the ass. Forgive my language. I apologize to all those listening out there in the world. What's that? Because I'm a good-natured person, Dave. <laughs> right on. Anyways, so we'll skip the optional company name and stuff. Sign the certificate. If we list the keys now, you'll see that I now have not only my server keys, but the client CRT, CSR, and, uh, and client one key. The CSR is for, uh, I think, certificate revocation. I'm not, I've never had to use the CSR file. The, the key.key key files are secret, and so you should never, ever give out to a client or anyone like the .ca or the CA.key. That, that should be yours that you keep all to your little lonesome self. Um, same with the server key. There's one spot in the server config that it needs it. Otherwise, don't give it to people. Um, so any questions so far about building the keys or why we need to build keys or anything like that? You, you mentioned that you need to just get an edge more key just to get the keys required to reverse it. If you do it later. Why? Um, because it's grabbing global variables that are not actually set until you source the virus file. So inside the virus file, um, if we go back into that, you'll see that it's export wherever the easy RSA is. And export the open SSL stuff, and you export your key config, and export your key DIRD, which is where it's actually going to put all the keys and look for the certificate authority. So none of these global variables are set until you source this file. So that's why you have to do that first. Right. Right. Which is another reason that I do a separate folder, or a separate thing for each VPN, is because then I don't have to try and guess what my original VARES file was to resource it. It's just all in there. I just go into the Larkins VPN, and later I can go into the Ubuntu VPN, and everything's all the same. I just say source VARES build key. So. Any other questions about keys? Part of the reason that you build all the keys is because OpenVPN, um, it can do it the other way, but the way that it works is through what they call um, private key infrastructure is the type of authentication it does, is that the keys need to be on both sides. So that's, uh, that's that. The, the next thing, now that we've set up all of our keys, all we have to do is create a, uh, a server config file. And let me go back to my notes here. Um, yeah, editor create a server.conf. You can see right there in my notes. It's very, very plain and simple for everyone to understand. The, there is a default server.conf. It? It's in the sample config files. So this is for a standard multi-client um, server. 
This is like your road warrior setup where you've got a bunch of guys out of the office that need to remote back into work. This is a sample configuration for that. Um, there's, there's a couple things that you have to have in a configuration file. The first is what I, okay, it says you don't have to have this, but I always set this, is the IP address that OpenVPN should listen on. It's only needed if you've got multiple IPs, really. You can, you can distinguish what does what. Um, but you do have to have what port it's going to listen on. The default is 1194. And you do also have to have what uh, protocol. Um, UDP is faster than TCP. But TCP, just by the nature of TCP, is um, yeah, yeah, more reliable because you actually have to have a connection. Right. So I do use TCP on mine just because I do want to have that reliability. But you can use UDP, and it is faster. I know a lot of people that what they do is they start and they do all their tests and stuff with TCP because of the reliability. And then once it's set up and everything seems to be working fine, they flip it to UDP and go. So um, on, you need to decide what type of, of tunnel you're going to create or what type of device you're going to use, DevTap or DevTun. I've never, ever gotten it to really work with DevTap. I always use Dev DevTunnel. This is where, in fact, I... Anybody know the difference between an actual tap interface and a tunnel interface? Okay. If we read the comments, which I do not, and let's just establish that in all of my configs, I delete all the comments out because it's a bunch of crap and I don't even care. I just write down the things I want and I start the server. Nope. I only need the part that's going to give me flame and hold the meat. That's the only two pieces I need. Never, which is why I enjoy riding the bus so much is because it's not an issue. But uh, so you specify it. <laughs> that is the number of bits for the key. It's a 128-bit key that we're using for encryption. <laughs> um, so DevTon is what I already put it to. If you're using Windows, you have to specify the, the device name that you're using. So you actually, OpenVPN installs a virtual Ethernet device, and you have to actually say the name of it there. You don't have to with Linux because it's smart like that. And then you do need to specify where those keys are that you've done. In Windows, um, you have to comment any slashes. So for, for Linux, this might just be home user directory ca.crt in in windows you actually have to specify out the whole c slash slash program slash files etc etc yes you have to you have to escape the slash you have to escape the spaces and you have to escape quotes in the configuration file so For what? Nope, that'll work. Oh, is it files? Oh, not. Their point was, I think, that they thought 
about the program and the flash drive is going to save? You think I need like this? No. So one. Nope, just needs one. Mm -mm. Uh, just one. So, anyways, you, you have to specify it all out like that and escape stuff in Windows. Yeah. You have to do, that's, that's a common thing with all .com files, is if, if you're on Windows, you have to escape slashes and spaces. Um, you know, you should just put the, the direct path and you should do the whole path. You shouldn't just try tiddly slash. I write the whole path out. Um, you have to put the path to to the. This is only on the server. Do you have to put the path to the uh, Diffie Hellman parameters? Um, this this particular piece of configuration. This this says the subnet that is going to be handed out. Mm-hmm. So it it specifies the subnet is going to be handed out to all your clients. Yes, yes, Hearts. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. I've got a special odd things notes at the bottom. Yeah. So um, so if you're this should be a subnet that's not used any place else. So for example, at Larkins where I use the VPN all the time, our main subnet is 10.0.0.0 in a in a 24-bit subnet. Um, our OpenVPN is on 10.0.4.0. And to, and so that's what it hands out. Yeah. Um, I just leave that, the IF pool config. Um, server bridge, if you actually are using, what you can do is let's pretend that your internal, um, your internal subnet was the 10.8.0 subnet. What you can do is, is you can actually have this act as a server for just a portion of that subnet. So you can have this be trying to hand out IPs from 50 to 100, whereas your other DHCP server that's internal and locally will be handing out IPs maybe from 0 to 50. Um, so that's another option. I don't ever use it. I just do the, the full subnet. This is always good. You can push routes. Um, so you can say that to the client, we'll get these routes and they'll be added to their routing table. So you can tell it what routes are going to go through the, that current interface. You can also push uh, DNS and say your D new default DNS server is this. And you can also push a Win server. And uh, I think there's a couple other things you can push. Those are the only ones I use. Um, this is if you want to set up for separate clients. I never do because I just let the DHCP handle it. Um, this, okay, so here's the DNS options. This push redirect gateway. If you were out on the road and you wanted every piece of your internet traffic to go across your encrypted tunnel, um, push redirect gateway will send all traffic from the client through the VPN to your server so and then from your server out. This is your way of by default, when it's set up, it's, it's split tunneling. Uh-huh. Okay. By default, only the things that need to be routed through the VPN tunnel are routed through there, and everything else is routed at your default gateway. 
when you do this, it just changes your default gateway to the VPN tunnel, and everything gets routed out that. Um, client to client, this is if you want to, your clients to be able to see each other. I've heard some people say you should always, you should never ever have this. It should always be commented out. I, I really don't care if if client one can see client two while in the VPN. But it would prevent, like, if their clients are Windows boxes, it would prevent them, like, one of them is infected from infecting another. Sure, but it doesn't prevent them from infecting your server, and they probably shouldn't be on your network anyways. True. So, um, I I I would do that. Um, duplicate CN. Um, this is where you could have everybody have one key, or multiple keys have the same common name, and everybody attach. But since it's the common name that OpenVPN uses to distinguish between clients, I would encourage you never to uncomment this and to never allow duplicate common names. One client, one common name, and that way you can, you can cut off anybody you want to and different things like that. Um, keep alive, I always leave it as default. This, you can actually select your, your ciphers, how you want the encryption to happen. The default is a blowfish using CBC mode. Um, you can select any, any type of mode. You don't have to use the cipher block chaining. You can use um, ECB and is it COB. Anyways, there's a bunch, and you can list these out, and I get to a spot later where I show you where you can actually list out all your options. Yep, and you can use you can use 128 AES. You can use 256. You can do there's a, a whole slew of of options. Um, in fact, just because we're on it, if we do Open VPN with the option of Show Ciphers, it shows me all of them that I can do. And it's it's a pretty good list. You can, you can really do whatever you want. I'm fine with Blowfish. Yeah. So, and it one thing it doesn't seem to use an, an initialization vector, which is not required for CBC mode. But uh, your cipher block chaining is a pretty is a pretty good way of of completely randomizing everything. So. Um, maximum clients. This is a hairy one that I'll talk about later. I always, I never uncomment that. This one I do uncomment though, and that is that because this is actually starting up a new um, Ethernet device, in our case, from our configuration, DevTun, um, probably DevTun 0. Um, it has to run with root privileges. But after it starts up that device, there's no reason it needs root privileges anymore. And by uncommenting these, you can specify the user and group to run that as, to, to demote its privileges to, and it adds a little bit of, of the security there. You have to make sure that group user nobody and group nobody exists, though, because it, it'll crap if you, they don't really exist. But persistent cam, persistent tunnel are good. Um, the log default goes into Verilog, and you can be you can say how verbose you want to be on it. Um, it the client 
the client config is very, very similar. The really big difference is up at the top. It says client instead of saying server. So uh, all the commands to run them are the same. You put them in the same spot to auto start. Everything's pretty much the same. But certain things have to match. DevTun has to match DevTun and your server config. They have to be both on the same side. Obviously, your protocol has to be the same on both sides. This, pro this uh, option is new specifically to the client. It says what server address and port to go to. So um, you can have one client config have multiple entries for the remotes. They just all have to have the same certificate authority on the remote side. Um, remote random is if you're doing failover. I haven't ever done that, so I don't worry about it. Again, you can demote your user privileges and set your set where your keys are and your like verbosity on your logs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, go ahead. There's no way you could override that. The VPN would choose to have you be fully tunneled, but I would choose to be split tunneled in the client. Once, no. Uh -uh. Those options get pushed from the server, and and if you want to be connected to the VPN, you have to take its options. You you probably could go in afterwards and manually remove the routings and remove those like DNS push options and things like that, but you if at all you'd have to manually do it. So um, I want to show you mine because. <laughs> This is my client config that I use for, for hooking to work. You can see it's infinitely smaller because I don't have all my comments. I just specify the port and tunnel type. Um, protocol TCP client is the same as saying client proto TCP. Doing the TCP hyphen client is the exact same. This is the actual address to our remote server. I know you're all going to want to write it down and try to break in. Um, I demote my privileges once it starts. I don't know what the ping does. I just leave it. Um, I specify the cipher. If you change the cipher on the server config, you have to specify the exact same cipher in the client config. You have to specify if you leave if you leave it default on the server, you don't have to say anything in the client because it's just going to assume default. But if you change it there, it you have to have matching parameters on each side. Um, then the location, my certificates. What's that? You know where those are? <laughs> I hope so. It says right there. Um, anyways. I want to talk to just go over a couple of the notes, interesting things on the .conf files. On any Unix type system, they need to end with .conf. Um, on a Windows system, they need to end with .opvn. Uh, if you try to pass the, the Windows one as a .conf file, it won't know what in the world to do with it. Um, yeah, I said that the examples are loaded with comments. And you don't have to have all those comments. You can take out those comments. It's, I mentioned how you do have to escape everything in Windows. In Windows, you must specify the device name. We talked about that, and we talked about demoting privileges. Um, the thing that the client needs is not only his .conf file, but also 
the, the certificate authority's certificate file, the client certificate, and the client key. And once you have that, you can, you can start the VPN. To start it, you can run the command sudo openvpn and wherever the comp file is. So for example, I can right now VPN. I can connect, ooh, if I'm in the right directory, to Larkin's right now. It goes through and does the handshakes, says everything's fine, pushes the routes, demotes the user privileges, and I'm done. And once I've done that, if I do an IF config, you can see there is my Tunnel O interface with a hardware address of zero because it's not an actual physical interface. And I have my internet address, um, my point-to-point -point stuff, and my subnet mask. This is basically my local broadcast. And this is my actual, my actual IP. It, it does, it, and this is what, We'll talk about it later. So, yeah. Um, and now, it's just like I'm sitting there at work. I can, for example, if I open up Firefox, we have an internal web application that's only accessible to those that are inside of our network. And from here, I can say... There it is. Larkin Mortuary's Preneed Accounts. And I can only get to that when I'm inside. It hands me an IP, and I, I can get to anywhere from inside. But this is just an example. I can't SSH into the web server to get that application. But with the VPN, because I'm, it's just like I'm sitting there at my location, I can go ahead and grab up our web application. So any questions so far on any of that stuff? Any at all? Anybody want to say a joke to lighten the mood? Yes. Pino, you have a joke. Yeah. Why, why, why uh, tap over So, Ethernet tunnel versus routed IP tunnel. I just do the, the routed IP tunnel because I've gotten it to work more often than not. I've had to fight the tap tunnel stuff. Yeah. When I used it as a tap device, it didn't. Okay. Oh, then you can you can uh, map those through the VPN doing your IPX and stuff. Okay, that makes sense. If you still have Network three five, please just throw it away and then use Devton. Um, we had a we had a, a Netware 
server, Network 3.5, up until about a year ago. Yep, there at Larkins that did everything. It was a big pain in the butt, and the IPX protocol took up tons of bandwidth, and it's just a... They also didn't implement IP until 4. We had to run IPX. Yeah, so it kind of sucked. And IPX is weird, so I didn't like doing that. But anyways, um, another option other than, than running the sudo openvpn.conf file, if you want to run it on startup, is that you can take any .conf file and put it in the Etsy openvpn folder. And when openvpn runs it at runtime, when the daemon runs at runtime, it'll scan that folder and start up the .conf file. And you're done. Server and client. Both of those can be dropped in there. Because all your parameters are already in your .conf file, you just drop it in there, it'll start you up, your tunnel device will be there, persistently connected, you're done. And so that's an easy way to do it. I don't do that because I don't, like on my laptop, I don't always want to be connected as a client. I want to connect only when I actually need to administer at work. But as a server, obviously we want that running all the time because that's why we have it. Or if it's like a company laptop that you're, you're sending with your representative. Right. You don't want it to and they're too dumb to actually start it up. Yeah. Yep. Another great. In Windows, it's a little bit different. You've got to drop it in. Um, you have to, in Windows, you actually have to go into the services and start OpenVPN as a service. Tell it to start as a service. And then go and put in the config folder in their program files, OpenVPN. Program files, I think it's config. You drop in the .opvn file, and it'll start that on startup. And I do that with like some folks that that remote in that are clients, Windows clients that come into into my OpenVPN. That's where I put theirs, and it works. Um, you can also use the init script to start and stop OpenVPN. So if you do need to Let's say that you revoke a client and you want it to be enacted immediately. You can just do a restart through the init script and it'll do it. Um, the advanced stuff, client revocation. Again, you got to source your Veris file. This is why I always separate all the different VPNs out, so I always have my Veris file normal and have all my keys in just one spot. You source your Veris file and just say revoke full in the name. And it'll, it, it gives you this weird error 23 message, but you actually want to see the error message. And then uh, you put in your server config, make sure that it, you put in the parameter to uh, CL, CRL verify so that it actually checks for a certificate revocation list and point it to your certificate revocation list that's been generated by this above command. And then that client can't connect anymore. So that's which is kind of cool. Um, you also can run multiple servers. The, the problem is that each server needs to be listening on a different port, obviously. Unless you specified which IP to listen to and you have two IPs, then you can have one on each IP listening on the same port. But they have to be on different IPs. It, you can set up failover. I've never done it, but it does have a way to do failover like that. And which which case part of the... Um, uh, Part of the client config is is like remote random or something like that, where it'll allow any remote to, to hand it off to anybody else. Um, 
Further security, I mentioned this, you can have a password for each client key. OpenVPN can also run, if you're really worried about it, taking over stuff, OpenVPN can run in a Cheroot environment. You just need to make sure that all your keys and stuff are within the Cheroot environment so that they can get to it. So I've never run it in a Cheroot environment. I don't think OpenVPN is that going to get taken over, particularly if I demote its privileges when I run it. Should be. So anyways, um, you can also change the cipher. We talked about that. This is something that's weird with OpenVPN, and I've never quite understood it. But for each client that connects, that client is handed four IP addresses. And the client uses three IP addresses and doesn't use the fourth. So the one IP address is the gateway, the point-to-point -point gateway that you saw. The other IP address is its actual address. The last IP address is its broadcast. And because you can't use Saturn notation to just send three keys, it sends four and the last one's just thrown away. So out of your um, potential of you know, 254 keys to hand out, you really can only have 60-something clients connect because each client uses four IPs. Um, in which case, if you need more than 60 clients, you've got to set up multiple servers. So, yeah. <clears throat> Okay. Yep. This is a server config. Where do you want me to look? So what if you change to a 23-bit subnet match, which gives you 510? Can you suddenly put, this is my question, can you put now You know, that's an excellent question. I've never tried it. I've never had a need really in my my stuff that I've set up to have more than 15 or 20 clients connected at a time. I know, we have had this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You gotta start a lot of. <laughs> you gotta start a lot of VMs, and this would be a fun environment, like with these, to to try that out and see how many people we could, could get connected and stuff, and because you can actually, <clears throat> if you hand one client, multiple client keys, they can connect to the VPN multiple times and they'll just keep making tunnel devices. And in Windows, it'll keep making more of the TAP Win32 devices. Is it the same client? Yeah, you can have one machine hooked to the same VPN multiple times. They just have to have different client keys. Okay, okay, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you, could, you could test that and just have the one machine hooked to the one server 600 times and try Uh, you can change that on the um, on the the C name, the duplicate C name parameter that we talked about. Um, again, client to client, right here. 
So the thing is, though, is you really should, on the keys you generate, have everyone have a different common name and have every one of your clients have a different key set. This is, this is just a, an easy way to do added security. If you had somebody, let's say that there was a compromise and somebody stole their keys in configuration, um, if you just have one common name, you have no way of just blocking that one certificate and issuing a new one. You would have to cut off the certificate for anybody that had that same common name and issue new certificates. See what I'm saying? I use the word certificate a lot. You doing okay? No, I'm. If someone would please raise their hand. The darkness is is exciting. Um, whoa, you're sitting next to Pino. So. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's that'd be a fun thing to try out. I've never done it, changing it from a six or twenty-four bit subnet mask. Yeah. Well, the 23, it'd give you two, two from the previous octet, and it'd give you the full 256 of this one. So it'd give you 500 IPs to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. But um, so another thing, though, once you do have a client that's connected into your server, the client to be able to talk beyond the server, you need to make sure that you either have routing set up on your server side or bridging done so that your client can get beyond the actual server. So I fought with that one for a long time where I could always get to the server IP and I could do whatever I wanted on that server, but I couldn't get beyond. So you either need to bridge that or, like I said, actually put in your routes manually. Another option, and it's something that I've, I've done here at Larkin's just because it's pretty easy, is to actually use my pfSense box to act as the server, and it does all the routing for me, and I don't have to worry about it. So I can just go in here and open VPN, and I put in the stuff, and it just makes it, and I'm done. And so I could, we could test it just by changing this to the slash 23 on in this little scenario, this particular scenario. Yeah. But I don't have enough. Should. But then I just, it's a set to persistence, so it'll try to, it'll retry to connect. Okay. You want me to do it? No. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's always something worth trying. <laughs> Which I'd really, I've done a very, I've worked very hard to avoid going into work the past couple of days. So <laughs> I've had many opportunities to go into work. I've been called a couple times to go into work, and I've been able to finagle my way out of it. So trying not to go in. They pay for the phone. So I don't pay for my cell phone, Larkins does, so. You know, they also bought me my laptop. I, I just don't dicker with them on it. 
And, and they gave me $100 because I asked for it to go to scale. They said, sure, here you go. Here's 100 bucks. So it's in my bag. This bag, it's in the envelope, <laughs> main pocket. 90 of it is anyways, but um, <laughs> long and short. Okay, so that's, that's really my thought on VPN. Further information is OpenVPN does have a, a pretty thorough how-to on their website. They also have their man page actually on their website, so you can look at all the different parameters. There is an OpenVPN channel on Freenode, and so you can go sit in there. It is pound OpenVPN on irc.freenode.net. Um, I've gone in there and asked questions. They're pretty nice to help. They're they pretty good about it. You know, some of those channels, you know, people are a little, a little loud about it. What's that? <laughs> and then, you know, I can answer any questions. So is there any questions about uh, OpenVPN or anything like that? Carts. You know, the network manager does have an applet that you can put your configuration stuff into. Um, I have had a problem, like here I've got the Larkins ones, let me, let me kill it here. But it doesn't, there is a bug that comes in and out of the, um, the network manager one. And so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So you can see now... Oh, you can't really. Network Manager now has a little lock, and there's a swirling star as it's attempting to connect to the VPN. And it doesn't look like it's going to. Seriously, it's a little padlock. You can come look. It doesn't work at all, at least in Ubuntu. There's a bug in it. Yeah. And the bug comes and goes. I've reported on the bug several times. But in a second here, it'll pop up and say, no, we won't do it. Thanks for asking. Um, so it's kind of annoying. So because of the bug, I always just use the command line. Mm -hmm. So can you see the little thing? VPN connection failed. Yeah, there is a bug on Launchpad about it. And it keeps coming up and going away and coming up and going away. When it does work, it is pretty, pretty cool. You just basically manually add all of your, your stuff. So you put in your gateway server address and where your different things are, and you say go. Um, it does not allow for you to put in advanced settings, such as if you needed to use... Let me check this. So, oh, so it does allow you to do the cipher. I didn't think it did, but it does. Maybe that's new with this, uh, with this OpenVPN. But anyways, so you can set in your settings and say go when it works. Drop down and I do it my work right now all the time. And I don't lose my connection, the connection stays up for me. Yeah, and you just get your DNS or whatever the things that are set up in your Yeah, the push the push stuff from the server. I went back during uh There's a bug on Launchpad that I reported on on it. So, and it's not just me with the bug. It is a confirmed bug on Launchpad. I, I apologize that I do not have the bug number. 
But with Network Manager, you do need to not only install the OpenVPN um, stuff, but you also need to install Network Manager-OpenVPN or whatever its little module is. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the number of keys? Just giving you a reminder, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so long and short, that's that. Any other questions about it? One no. thing I want to mention, uh, there is a version of DDWort that has uh, mm -hmm. VPN built into it. So right. You can have your little house router doing your VPN. Right. Like which, is, which is cool. On those, I'm sure it's the same on this one, DDWort, this one but, right, but it's... Um, but on OpenVPN, you actually open your, your CA.CRT, copy its contents, and paste it into a box. That's how yeah. it works on PFSense. I'm sure it does on here, too. And it goes and stores them itself and, and puts them where it needs to. So. Yeah. Now, you will have to have a router that has at least 4 megs of uh, flash and 8 megs of RAM. This one only has 2 megs of flash and 4 megs of RAM. And it can only run the tiniest version of DD work. Oh. Yeah. It's the uh, it's one of the newer ones that aren't supposed to be able to run Linux. This one is. Yeah. Oh. But it does if you hack it right. Or just buy an old one. Yeah, but it's still they're getting harder to find. Yeah. Any other questions about OpenVPN? No. Any? I'm just curious when the whole Yes. On my, just, just because you asked, I'll, I'll do it. But as Dave was mentioning earlier, I have Conky running, and it shows me my different um, network devices. In this case, E0 is connected. Now it shows that, um, uh, oops, excuse me. Um, now it shows that my VPN tunnel is connected as well. And it'll show me any traffic that actually specifically has to go through the VPN. So, which is kind of nice because if I want to see that it's actually splitting stuff, I watch it there. Yeah. Anyways, any other questions? Let's go to McCool's. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.